ששבתם אלינו לתוכנית נוספת של שומעים קהילה, רדיו קול רמה 102.3 FM, קול רמה.us באינטרנט, יש גם אפליקציה, דף פייסבוק, מוזמנים להאזין ולעקוב. אני דוד גודמן, משדר אליכם ממחנה רמה בברקשירס, ונמצא איתי כאן הרב סקוט בורטון. ערב טוב סקוט, הצהריים טובים. ממש טוב להיות, אני מרגיש שאנחנו, החברותה שלנו היא קהילה בפני עצמה כבר. נכון, נכון. זה איך שצריכים לסדר את החיים, אני חושב, לעשות כזה מהישן ומהחדש, נכון? חברים מזמן ושורשים שלך, וגם צריכים לעשות חברותה ב... זה הפרק החדש בחיים, בקיץ, כאן אנחנו מצאנו את עצמנו בחברותה על מה זה לבנות קהילה? כן, כן, אנחנו פה בחברותה על מה זה לבנות קהילה ו... ואתם המאזינים, אתם חלק מהחברותה ובאמת אנחנו התחלנו באופן טבעי בעברית אבל נראה לי שכדאי שננסה להמשיך <laughs> לאנגלית נכון אז uh, we are here in שומעים קהילה, in רדיו קול רמה, I'm David Goodman, Rabbi Scott Bolton. We are speaking about the קהילה that surrounds us. We already spoke about the שבת that creates the framework in space and time for the קהילה. Or the very, very notion of those who make שבת and create שבת. and find one another in the space of Shabbat or in the everyday of the camp we're experiencing, the camp we're in, that it's the intentionality in their hearts and in their minds to become part of a community, to be part of this Kehillah. Yes, and we spoke about the stories as something that unites the Kehillah together. And we spoke about the praying, the tefillah. And uh, along the way, we touched so many different topics, so many different values. And uh, we thought that now it's a good time to try to dip into these values. So yeah, it's worth uh, taking a look at some of the values 
Barachim, that came out of some of the work that the Tzavet Chinuch did with the wonderful Chavruta that the whole staff really created this summer in order to think deeply about what it would mean to teach about and reflect on building Kehillah, Kedoshah, a holy community here at Ramah. Yes, and we are really like the main purpose of the show is to try to echo these things that happens within our meeting in Tzavet Yadut and uh, reading all of the planning for the different uh, Yadut session that we teach around camp and uh, something that... Uh, we know is that uh, we always have so much to teach and uh, and so much to learn and part of the processing should be afterward and here it's a great stage to do this processing i think so i think so it's a great invitation for anyone to chime in and call and talk about how they are they're experiencing kila how they're building kila or ekhshem shomim kila uh, what is what does it sound like? A shout out to our great leader Abby, yes. Abby Ehrman, who's asked us, "What does it sound like? What does it feel like? And what does it look like?" This kila, and the, you know the chanichim, they started to answer us. They had some answers. So give me some answers. So I want to share with you what some of the top values were when it came to building kila. First of all, I will stop you. Like you literally did a, uh, like a poll uh, within camp about different values? Yeah, so part of what we arranged with our chanichim, with our campers, uh, shout out to those Eidot that really went around camp and interviewed people about what they thought were the most important values to building Kila, uh, for building Kila were. But they themselves, the chanichim, ranked the different values that were in front of them, many, many values. They brainstormed about them. Then they went out and did this research, and it came back that we had six main Arachim values that we wanted to focus on in this okay. next round because of their work, because, okay. because of the, the searching, the soul searching, and the researching that they did. It's amazing. It's amazing because they're... Always so many values that uh, you can really get confused. And I don't think that uh, this Shesh Arachim, this six values, can be a substitute for all of the others, but, but you need to know where to start. Part of the idea of, uh, of like uh, the Musa literature is that uh, you need to take one step at a time. And if you have just all of the options open to you, uh, in front of you, there is a, a dangerous, a dangerous spot because maybe you won't go anywhere. So, like having this poll really help you to realize what what I want to do. Like where where I would take my first steps. Yeah, I think there's a great value in making a beirur, right? Uh, a clarification. Beirurim, beirurim. You know, if we're blessed in our lives with being able to clarify, what are the animating values that we want to live our lives with each day, every day? We're such a step closer to being the kind of people and the 
than the kind of kehila that we want to be, right? But when you mention the Musar movement, let, let, let's hang here for a minute, though. I, I didn't mention the Musar movement. Oh, no, just Musar literature. Musar literature. Okay, so there let's... A, a very important division yeah, right. if we are touching. The Musa movement is a very modern movement within the ultra-Orthodox world that is very known uh, as the yeshiva of Novardok, of Hebron, which said that uh, being a mensch is an important part uh, and not only studying the Torah. It's a very important side of our Judaism, but Musa literature we have already from our uh, almost most ancient scriptures, like we can find Musa literature already in the 10th century, and actually th there is something me methodological um, that can show, uh, that we can understand that uh, probably like this form of uh, Musa literature is one of the main origins of uh, Jewish literature in general because one of the main questions that we as human beings and especially as observing Jewish human beings, each, each one with his own form of observedness, of course, is the question what I supposed to do, but it's not stopping here. It's not only what I supposed to do, is what I can do to be even better. Yeah, definitely. And if you want to go back even further and dig in the uh, strata of Torah and take it all the way back to that time that we have our most ancient core texts coming into focus, there are verses that stand out as, and sections that stand out as being great manuals for refining both what we'll do with our hands, what we'll actually do with our feet, and what we'll feel in, in our hearts and in our fibers. And they're written in this kind of a way that's really a manual of refining our behavior and our thinking. And so I want to get to one of those verses, actually, uh, but I'm, I'm cognizant of this, that when it comes to some of the books, of Musser kind of books, um, and when you said the word, I was reminded immediately of a book that I brought to the studio. Mm -hmm. Show me. It's, uh, it's a pocket-sized little one. It's uh, gray with a, with, with, a, with a bluish cover, and it's called Cheshmona Nefesh, uh, a spiritual accounting or accounting of the soul. And it's a guide to self-improvement and character refinement printed uh, back in the uh, 19th century, Rabbi Menachem Mendel Levin of Satnov. And why do I like it? Just because we were talking about what would it mean if we all challenged ourselves to think about the, the specific values that we were going to list, mm -hmm. that we were going to work on, that we needed some text about in order to refine our, our very souls. Mm -hmm. And so he 
most likely based on guess what and this is a wonderful kind of intersection between the Jewish world and the world of America you're not going to tell me now that he have done a poll with his own no, campus he, he, didn't do, he did not do a poll with his own campus but he must have been taking a poll on all the wonderful people who are caught into this movement of spiritual and moral refinement and he found Ben Franklin's work or at least his thinking because he never really got to publish the volume he wanted to on virtues, but he found his thinking on picking 13 very unique qualities, mm-hmm. or midot, as we would call them, mm-hmm. the measures of a person's character, mm-hmm. and he mirrored those 13 that Ben Franklin, the great scholar of the American revolutionary world, wrote about, and even created charts for, in terms of a person focusing on one of those 13 in a systematic kind of a way. Mm -hmm. So that the point is, at a certain point in history recently, just like there were some ancient strata of this kind of literature, people have been trying to figure out what are the focal points I should have when it comes to labeling a value. In order for me to be the better person I can be, and in order for me to be part of building a greater society, a great kila. Can I ask you, like, what do you think is the difference between a value and a virtue? Ah, so this is a deep question in philosophical kind of circles. But the, the easy answer is this. Value versus virtue, no difference. No difference. <laughs> Use the word interchangeably if you'd like. On the other hand... The values I could see arising from, let's say, uh, an investigation of my actions. And when I'm at my best, I see that those are my values. But virtues, in a certain sense, stand outside of me. Mm -hmm. And they're kind of an agreed-upon goal. A higher-order set of goalposts, of of kind of yehudim. Yes, uh, telos. Telos, right. And they, and they stand outside of oneself in order for that search, the journey of arrival to happen. And then a learning that needs to go along with them. And an admitting that one doesn't necessarily embody those right away. That there's always reaching towards that virtuosity. Right? And that's why we call uh, an expert beyond an expert uh, the virtuoso. So when one achieved the virtue is like he has like claimed the value for himself and he like wear it on himself like a virtue embodies it makes it come to life yes as uh, as we are saying about uh, God in Taslichot Neetaf Bitzdaka. He's like covering himself with the virtue. Like you, you can see God dressing up with an armor of virtue, mm-hmm. with tzedakah, with justice, with charity. And, um, and this is, a, again, part of the idea of, of the Musar, of the Jewish ethics, is that um, the... (laughs) 
Like the essential point is Ve'alachta bidrachav. Like why do we need all of these values and vir- virtues? We need it because if we will know them, it's not that only our life will be more valuable and more going toward like the good, but also our God, our religiosity itself will become of a better shape. Definitely. I mean, if we say that the virtue stands outside of ourselves, what we're in essence saying if from a religious standpoint instead of just a philosophical one, is that we see that as um, the very divine image before us. And we want to act in that divine image. And when we taste a little of that, you know, God clothed the naked in the Garden of Eden, so we should too, right? We studied these beautiful sources with a uh, source from Sota, the Gemara and Sota with, with the Chanichim. And we asked, what did God do? What are the virtues that we can see in, in play? How can we now and then live out those virtues? Well, through the values we create, through the values we share of Nichum Avelim, of comforting the mourners, of clothing those who are in need of clothes, of providing a visit for those who are ill. Yes, and this is like a, a great one because uh, in the beginning of Parashat Vayera, like Rav Avraham just had his Brit Milah, his circumcision, and he is in the third day afterward, which is supposed to be like the most hurtful day, and then God reveals himself to him. And Rashi on the spot says, why did God came? We don't know. God doesn't speak in this verse uh, to Abraham. So why did he came? He came to do Bikur Cholim. He came to to visit Abraham because he was sick. And so this value of Bikur Cholim, which we know is a very, very human value, is a universal value that also God comes and visits those who need help, those who are under sickness. Look, and if uh, the divine, we, we read that and we think of the divine as, as actually visiting a few folks, but we, we say that, okay, this is the virtue that's being defined through that story, through our narrative, and what it takes is real people caring so deeply about one another and being the divine image in the moments of need and in the moments of potentially living out what we know are the deepest virtues and then we create that value-laden encounter and community if we'll all take on that kind of responsibility and, and that opportunity is, uh, and we call it mitzvah, we're commanded, right? We have no real choice about that in the best of all Jewish communities. Um, and yet we have this free will. 
And back to our choosing lots of different values among values to really make lists. Of course, we didn't reveal mm-hmm. yet what the uh, Hanichim... Yes, we will reveal only well, after the yeah, song. Absolutely. So hang in there. But let's just think about how we would clarify our own lists. What are the values that we feel? If anybody asked you, what are, this, what are the values you feel are the most essential values that you have lived out thus far? What are the virtues you're going towards? Do they match up exactly? And what literature do we have that can help us tap into that well of wisdom that we need in order to achieve this divine image on earth? David Aor Shlomo Bar Etzlenu Bekfar Todra
And we are back, and you're probably like so excited because now we have the results from the poll. Here we go. It's time to list the values that were so essential to build holy community here at Machane Rama. Drum roll, please. So they were kindness. Kindness. Chesed. Gratitude. Hakarat Hatov Hodaya. Patience. Savlanut. Community mindedness. I put it in two ways in Hebrew. Altifrosh Minatzibor, so it could be linked to a text. Mm-hmm. But also Kavanal Hiot Kila, because of our Chavruta here in the Ulpan. Mm, very nice. And decency and social intelligence and good manners. Derech Eretz. And finally, last one, respect. Kavod. You know, queue up just a little bit. Just a little bit of respect, right? So there's your six that came out on top for our Machane Ramah community here at, uh, at the Ulpan. And we wanted to reflect a little bit about what it really means to have those six. But before we even go there to any of those six, and I wonder just which of those six you would want to hear about first, 
you know, kindness, gratitude, patience, community-mindedness, decency, social intelligence, manners, respect, at the core of all of those, in in my estimation, I wanted to ask you about this, David, mm-hmm. is the love we have for our fellow human beings. Not only for ourselves, but inherently what comes with the values that we listed mm-hmm. uh, is a deep, deep love, respect, loyalty that's at the core of the root, ve'ahavta, uh, Lehov, to love in, in Hebrew, is beyond a love like a romantic love. There's a loyalty factor in that verb. Mm-hmm. So at the core, I thought um, that all of these really center on that you should really, quote unquote, love your neighbor as yourself is how we normally translate that. We don't have to exactly stick with that translation. As we've said before, every translation is an interpretation. But I wanted to ask you whether or not first you agreed that it seems like at the core of these six that our Chanichim and our community chose, you see also uh, that could be a good way to express what's at the core. Um, I I think it is. I will tell you why. First of all, like uh, uh, we can see how this idea of Ve'ahavta can relate only to, uh, also to like specific acts, but also for like a way of life. Because cause life, love is both like the little things, but also like the ability to to be together. And Even when you're apart. Yes, yes. And another thing is that we have here Ve'ahavta l'racha You should love your neighbor You should be loyal to your neighbor uh, You should care for your neighbor Kamocha So it's like from one phrase We can assume two different things because they could say you should love your friend but then it was just something um, that that is uh, like not connected to many other different things but when they say so within the idea of loving your friends you are learning something else. You are learning that you need to love yourself. Mm. Because, so if you really want to love and to appreciate your friend, you, you should first appreciate and love yourself because this is all of the idea, to, to know how to get it to the same level. Definitely, and it, it can be anything as simple as if you expect in your friend, in your neighbor, of your chevre, of your community, the kind of responsiveness that you might need in a time of need, uh, that you might hope for, 
or that someone would turn to you and be able to treat you with the kindness or the respect that you believe is really important in the way that people treat one another, you're learning kamocha there. You're learning that just like you yourself should do. If you extend that love, then you'll get it back. If you expect that love, then you have to expect it of yourself. Yes, and there is something about love is how you develop love for yourself when you meet someone else that loves you. And and again, it's not only the romantic love. It's It can be like a good friendship. It can be loyalty. It can be like a, a, a connection. Uh, but, uh, but many times we can be very hard on ourselves. And we can forget what we worth and we can forget to appreciate ourselves. It reminds me of a Prit Sadiq. Okay, uh, of Rabbi Tzadok Akwen from Lublin. From Lublin. He says, Lechol Yehudi, Yesh lo keter meyuchad. Every Jewish soul has a special crown. Mm-hmm. Because you're either Ben or Bat Melech, using the kind of metaphor of we're, we're royalty. Mm-hmm. And that everybody has a infinite yeah. worth, infinite, infinite worth, and, and a unique, unique, you know, let's say everybody's a gem in the crown, that we're a gem in the community. You know what's really troubling then, even more so? Okay. We don't recognize our self-worth. We don't recognize each other's great worth in the community. Yeah. The Torah, right before... L- let's, uh, let's wait. One moment before we will go with uh, All right, fine. with the Torah, because I I want I want to stick in in this point how like a small act of love of like showing awareness showing appreciation is not only something nice to do sometimes. It can be like the thing that revives the personality of the person being loved. Like um, this person can forget, can forget the, how much he loves himself. But uh, when he meet his rea, his friend, and he meet the love, so. Somehow it helps him to find the love within himself. Absolutely. And it also uh, connects that person in a very deep way to the community. Uh, given, you know, given different scenarios. Yes. Sometimes it can just be about a person needs the uplift and finds the right friend, whether it's an old friend or a new friend. And it really brings out a certain chiyut, a yeah. certain you know, sense that life is worth it. And not only worth it, but that life is sweet and, and glorious. Can I tell you a story, though, about one time where it really made the difference for one person? 
yes, yes, and then I have like something that just jumped into my mind, but a story I, I want to uh, tell you about this moment that I, I heard a story about while I'm here up in camp, uh, my minion at my congregation Orzaroa on the Upper East Side. Uh, it was a Thursday. And, you know, people after they experience a loss in their lives, death in their lives, they can be, thank God, hanging on the traditions and, and coming and participating in, in, our, in our tefillah and our rituals of St. Kaddish, being included in the minion. And it can be meaningful, but when it becomes really meaningful, it feels like the community is literally helping you row the boat through these stormy seas, right? Mm -hmm. And so... A woman comes to Morning Minion who is not really so exactly ready to say the brachot before and after the Torah to take an aliyah. Mm -hmm. But the leader of the Minion decided this is the morning he's going to reach out and really be that ozer. He's going to be the helper. He's going to be the one who's loyal to this woman as a member of the community of the Jewish people. And help her through every word of the bracha, the brachot, before and after the Torah, which she hadn't done in her life. And when she saw how precious she was to that minion, when she saw how generous this leader of the minion was towards her, it created a whole new soul, a whole new connection on a soul level for her. To her very essence, as a Jew, as someone who belongs, as someone who has received the help of another, the loyalty, the, the love of the Jewish people and that individual came through in that act of real, real chesed that this minion, my minion in New York, really made happen for this woman who was going through this period of mourning. And I, and I think it illustrates exactly what you're saying about the kind of vital, vital love we bestow on one another. Yes. Think about our own bodies. Like, we are so involved in our body that it becomes like a, such a deep part of our own personality but think about it. We never meet our body. Like, uh, I live through my hand, my face, my back, everything. But, but I don't see it. I need to go to a, uh, for a mirror, to a mirror to see it. Because when I'm inside, I'm just... Uh, just living within it but when I'm coming around I need something that is out of me that it will help me to reflect on myself and to see what is the thing that I'm dwell inside of and in terms of community and the love of the community it's the same idea. If you want to have the kamocha, the self-love, of course you have it like in some sort of way. But if you want to 
really see the shape of it, really reflect on it, it can become only if you are involved with the others that serves as a mirror, that serves as reflections, as images of the love that you are containing within yourself. Let me push back a little bit in the sense of Chavruta. Okay. When I'm self-aware, mm-hmm. I'm aware of what the High Holiday Liturgy really says, and that is, Hanisham alach v'haguf po'alach. Both on a soul level, that wonderful energy, the spark, the divine, the rough cook says is always praying we're just trying to catch up to it to live on that kind of soul level of praising of moving in the realm of the divine right when i when i sense that both that my divine part of who i am and that the body is working to really imitate the divine Mm -hmm. and i get to have that sense just like we were saying about self-love and so that self-awareness goes along with uh, self-love and understanding and self-worth, mm-hmm. then it's not that I only can sense it when I see it at work, in the re'acha. I, I think about what you're, you're, you're saying, that I, I can make it evident in a way that it is evident by way of the, the, the entire verse working. Yes. It, I, I see it in myself and I see it in my reacha. So don't you, don't you also experience that great sense of, uh, let's call it kavana or let's call it uh, havanat meat. Uh, uh, in the self-understanding that we were talking about before, we get a little bit of a taste and a touch of that unbelievable modaot, that awareness and the knowledge then of God. Yes, yes, and this is a... Soon we will get to the beginning of the Pasuk, but the end of the Pasuk is Ve'avta l'racha kamocha ani Hashem because you need to complete the picture, which is you cannot separate between the love, the fellow, and yourself. And if they're really all together... So, of course, this is specifically the place that God would want to be. And by the way, I think the end of the verse, you just made reference to the end of the verse in which we get the phrase, love your neighbor as yourself. And we often don't quote that verse. And so David, he said it exactly that it says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then the two words, Ani Adonai, I am God. So there's... At least two ways to read that in, in the way I've always seen it. Okay. That, that play right into what we're talking about now. When you love your neighbor as yourself and you see that, you sense it in yourself and you see it, as we've mentioned before. Wow. That is what God wants. I am God. What does that statement, I am God, there really mean? I'm God and that's what I really want. And therefore, you're attuned. You're attuned to this virtuous reality. Yes. That I've put out there as a possibility. The other interesting way, if I just may, is to say, You shall love your fellow. You shall be loyal to your fellow. You shall treat your fellow. You shall expect of your fellow. You shall r- refine yourself to give as much back. Ani, 
when I'm really me in that virtuous way, Adonai, I get a sense of godliness. Yes, and taking especially the first uh, offer you claimed, it's if you really reach yourself from the love that your friend brings to you and from the way you respond to this love. So you are yourself becoming a friend, a friend of God. Yadid Hashem. Yadid Hashem. Because... Look, friendship is so important. Yes, because as much as you need the friendship to be aware of yourself... Also, God needs your friendship to have his own right. self-awareness. I mean, we need a chavruta with God. Yes, <laughs> yes. And this is the bracha of Binyamin in the end of the Torah, in Parashat Vezot HaBracha. Binyamin Amar, Yadid Adonai Ishkon Lavetach Alav, Chofef Alav Kol Hayom. Because translated is that the that translation is he's going to be a, fr- a, a yadid is a fr- is a is a dear friend, and so it's a very Jewish idea because in in English and in in our circles sometimes people kind of associate this idea with traditions other than our own. Mm-hmm. But really, we we can walk this path with God. We don't only walk in God's ways. We we walk along as yadid Hashem. Yes, and yes. when we are Yadid Hashem, in Chavruta with God, and so, that's so God being. comes and being with us. Yeah, definitely. I have to now get to the beginning of the verse because if we're talking about such wonderful friendship, and if we're talking about such great virtuosity and the potential that we could be in touch with the divine, I'm so struck by the beginning of this verse. And we will hear the beginning of this verse right after this song. Ve'ahavta stigidam. Bayaron Cohen. Stick 
כמוך, ואהבת לרעך כמוך, מה ששנוא על מי? מה ששנוא עליך, מה לא לעשות עם זה? אל תעשה לחבריך. מה ששנוא עליך, אל תעשה לחבריך. כבד אל תהיה בונקר. אין, אין מחיר לאהבה. Like it's always getting just more and more. Now, from this very important end of the verse, what happens in the beginning of the verse? This is what happens in the beginning of the verse. You get this incredible story. that Rabbi Akiva thinks is the Klar Gadol Batora, right? Mm-hmm. That he's going to tell us that it's the most essential thing. But it really comes perhaps as a tikkun, uh, as some sort of fix to what we might call uh, either, let's say, a natural state or an inclination of the human heart to be otherwise inclined. And that is the beginning of verse 18 in the 19th chapter of Leviticus says, The very people in your midst, the very people in your community, the very brothers and sisters in your people, do not take vengeance and nor bear a grudge. And this, like since I was a kid, This is actually from my uh, Bar Mitzvah Parasha. Ah, Mazal Tov, Mazal Tov. Simon So since I was a kid, this was like one of my most irritating paradox of Judaism. Hmm. You're not supposed to take vengeance and you're not supposed to bear a grudge. What do you supposed to do? <laughs> אוקיי, 
<laughs> There's got to be some outlet, right? It only seems natural for human beings sometimes. Yes, yes, we need the vengeance. I mean, I mean, we have the narratives of the Jewish people wandering through the desert complaining about the lack of decent food and, and not enough water. And so it's, it's one thing to be given permission to be a complainer uh, and to think of that as a general state of affairs for a lot of people, right? That we're going to have to accept. So Moses reacts about the complaining and we, we kind of get a sense of what human life is all about, longing for even uh, Egypt, they call it. Just recently, a couple of parashiot ago, um, they used the name Eretz Chalavu Duvash to describe Egypt. A, a, a land flowing with milk and honey is the promised land of Israel. They, 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 they you know, throw it back in Moses and Aaron's and Miriam's faces. And this is Parashat Shlach <laughs> we're speaking about. Uh, and, and, and so later on, uh, we, we, we know that Moses is going to t- tell everybody they have to be so careful. Keep kolator azot. It's going to come later. In the, in the midst of Leviticus, before what they did a couple of weeks ago in the midst of Leviticus when we're getting the essential essential lessons about how to achieve holiness loving of the fellow as we discussed before you're going to develop that self-love develop this kind of relationship with your haverim with, with your echa but you're doing so according to this verse perhaps because you'll want to take vengeance and you'll have a lot of grudges to deal with Mm-hmm. But maybe, maybe, what we're getting here is, like you made mention before, a little Musar literature in the Torah. But what is the Musar? The Musar is even, it's more clearly Musar because it's telling folks, we know you're going to have the feelings of wanting to take um, vengeance and you're going to bear grudges. Mm-hmm. But you're going to have to set a program of learning and encountering the other. Mm-hmm. And of having a blaze on the trail that you're looking to get to. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to make that journey. Even with these natural feelings that are going to brew up in your heart and in your mind and you're going to make excuses like this is the natural way to be you have to get to this next level of you're, you would never want someone to bear a grudge towards you you wouldn't want someone to take vengeance and that is the search for the true divine so let me challenge you because now we read from Leviticus 19, But if we will go to the Talmud Bavli, in the Tractate of Yoma, in page 23, we will see that there is a saying of the rabbis that says, Talmid Chacham Sheino Nokem Venoter Kenachash, Eno Talmid Chacham. So, hmm? so you want to translate it, maybe? 
Well, we would say that uh, a, a sage and a wise soul, let's say, if we're translating for everyday kind of people and it doesn't have to just talk, be talking about the rabbis in the Beit Midrash, uh, if someone doesn't kind of rebel against an idea, I think it's talking about though. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hedge here with my translation and say, mm-hmm. I don't think it's exactly the same of what's going on here in Leviticus. Uh, if he doesn't really take up arms against the idea and, and say his part, how could he ever be a sage? But, I, I, you know, so the, you, you hear inherently in my translation that I think we're talking about the culture of the Beit Midrash. It's, in terms of spiritual, uh, spiritual read, you, are you suggesting that maybe someone's going to have a little bit of the inclination towards nikama, rebelling and, and taking vengeance against those who are, you know, kind of, you know, in contrast to the, the holy path or the, or the holy ways that the person desires? Is that what you're trying to bring up here as a possibility? I'm trying to think that maybe the problem is that uh, usually you are not doing both. Like, if you are a vengeance kind of person, so you will be too angry all the time. Mm. And your vengeance will create the structure of your life. And if you are the grudging kind of person... Yeah, you begrudge everything. Y- yes, and uh, and then they need to say, Lotikom velotitor, because it's not that you will do both. You will do either that one or the other uh-huh. one. Um, and then something that is not good will happen to you because the it, both of those things the moment you start from a very very small kind of vengeance or, or grudge it just grows and grows to be like a great monster that lives with yeah. uh, within you but are you saying that mm. one of these is absolutely going to happen if not both I'm saying that uh, uh, that the idea of "Ve'ahavta l'racha kamocha" need to come in a framework in which you are having the the ability to. Uh, to have like a balanced life, a balanced hmm. senses, a, 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 a balanced sensuality and feelings and hmm. values and virtues. And if you are going to uh, one side and ignoring the other side, so you will forget who you are and you will forget who your friends are. And uh, the only thing that... Uh, will be left is either the vengeance or the grudge. I see. So I'm, I'm hearing in what you're saying now that 
there's an interesting idea about why the verse might include don't take vengeance, don't bear grudge, reach out to your neighbor, love your neighbor as yourself. Yes. But I'm going to take it even a different, even more holistic, I think, or as holistic a way and just say it in a different way, that you don't want to have your two extremes be vengeance or bearing grudges. (laughs) You know, those are two different modes, two different frameworks that could very much be in the nature of one person's soul. And he could very well forget any of the stuff, <laughs> any of the love your neighbor as yourself. If I see those as, you know, sometimes I'm going to feel this way and sometimes I'm going to feel that way. And then I take the vav in the verse mm-hmm. as, and always remember that you need to have a great, great amount of loving your neighbor. Mm-hmm. Even if you're going to experience these as natural human qualities that happen sometimes to mm-hmm. the very best of us, then that whole picture becomes very divine, just like the Gemara really includes mm-hmm. this sense of using that gift of our human reality for the very best of purposes. Right? Because the culture that the Gemara is trying to define is a culture that takes the very even negative qualities of either vengeance or nekama, or of, 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 of vengeance and, and in this case bearing grudges. And, and maybe it's trying to help refine the way that we bring that energy, those energies into the world so that we can create the Chevresh el Chachamin, the community of those who are enlightened. Yes, and here there is a Hasidic rabbi which I really like, that his name is Rabbi Yaakov Yosef Akohen Mipolnoe. He is one of the great students of the Baal Shem Tov, of the Holy Baal Shem Tov. And when he is reading the words Likom Velitor, he has a very, very Hasidic insight. And when I'm saying Hasidic insight, I'm trying to say that he's texti- uh, taking the text and doing whatever he wants with it. <laughs> because we know that... Uh, Out of love. Out of love. Out of deep love. Yes, because the text, although says one thing, we can hear different tones. There is a saying, Achat diber Elohim, shnaim zo shamati. Because part of the idea of the Hasidic sources is that uh, although there is something very clear that we are dealing with, we can take it and like there is something very difficult but we can hear some other tone beyond it yeah that that lamtik word from matok that it's going to be sweet to us in a different way yes that there's going to be honey from uh, the very even serious uh, even serious words in this case of Musar. <laughs> yes, and think about the Mila 
ליטור. תיטור, we said, bear grudge, but נוטר is someone that keeps, someone that saves. And if you are doing נטירה, it means that you want to save someone. And we will go to the word ליקום, שורש יקם, which can be vengeance, but it can also mean that he helps someone to stand up. Yeah, to get up, to rise up. Kima. Yes, yes. And then Rabbi Yaakov Yosef Mipolnea taking it back to the saying in Yoma that I told you about, תלמיד חכם שאינו נוקם ונותר כנחש אינו תלמיד חכם. And he is referring to the parasha that we read last week in parashat chukat because in parashat chukat we are having a very interesting stories, story about a snake about a snake a snake is uh, usually our sworn enemy the snake is the one that because of him we were kicked out of Eden Yeah, that's right. Even though, uh, a shout out to the Alagova crowd, when they see the, the right kind of snakes, they point, to, they point them out as beautiful, beautiful creatures of nature who are you know, in their place, so we have to let them uh, go on their paths and journeys and make yes, all but kinds the, of uh, the, connections. But the symbol of the snake is Ve'eiva Ashit Ben'cha u'ven ha'isha u'ven zarecha u'ven zara'a They still scare us and they still should be, uh, you know, dealt with appropriately, right? Yes, it's like one of the most dangerous creatures in nature. But one of the most interesting things about the snake is that as much it can harm you, it can also heal you because... The snake itself can create remedy, first of all, to the heat that you get from him, and second of all, to many other uh, mm. sicknesses that you have. And so, the idea of the snake in the, last, in the previous parasha is not only the snakes that coming as a punishment to the Israelites after uh, they weren't good enough. It's also a snake that Moses put on a pole and it brought healing to the people. And uh, this snake, the rabbis tells us that, uh, that that was a source of healing throughout history till the days of Chizkiyahu HaMelech, hundreds of years later. Because the negative part of this pasuk, lotikom and lotitor, is only one side of, of a mishvah, of, of an equation that, uh, that we can read also from another side. That uh, y- yes, we should know the danger within the... They can become vengeance and grudge. But 
again, if you see your fellow as yourself, and if you are coming from a place of love, so you can think and say, yes, I won't do any vengeance of love, but this snake that I just met didn't just give me like the negative part of my world. It gave me also a deep, deep lesson, a lesson about healing, about how I can help my neighbor to rise up and how I can save my brother, my friend, and my life and my loved one. Yeah, this, this way of reading the sources that sees within the commandment of what not to do that learns just how to use these human faculties or these human propensities for holiness is at the core of these wonderful Hasidic readings that oftentimes help us really understand how to not only make Kehila Kedoshah, but Kehila Mituka. <laughs> There's a Amtaka. Uh, I, I just want to say that in this very same vein, mm-hmm. we oftentimes will radically apply a, a lesson like Ve'ahavta L'Reacha Kamocha in only one way, in only one direction, and that is if I am lo- loving and I'm totally loyal to my friend here, this member of my community, then I am really going to do that in all cases. And I just want to share on the heels of that wonderful understanding that you brought forward from um, our, from our Parshan, I want, to, I want to bring up a time that Rashi will kind of help us understand what's the downside is there any downside what is the downside of the what do you have to watch out for in that because just like there was what to watch out for for the good in the what thou shall not do don't bear grudge don't have vengeance there's also a little bit of a downside and that is if I just give my loyalty and my total love to someone According to later on in the Torah, in Deuteronomy, there's going to be a time when your brother, a family member, your, your daughter, the wife whom you devotedly love, your dear one to your soul, entices you secretly, tries to convince you, let's go and worship other gods, which to the Torah is the worst crime mm-hmm. because it's really straying after a, a set of virtues that do not match our greatest hopes for Kiel Akedusha, for Holy Community. And what Rashi will say when it says, Lo tishma elav, do not listen to him, do not listen to her, that Rashi explains, Lo te'avenu. You shall not, even though it's written, you can't stop discerning what it is you need to make a clarification about so that you can make a clarification about the virtuous. You can have what's holy and you can have what's sweet. Hamtaka. 
Episode, episode of love, of sweetness, of kindness, of caring, and where, where would you like to take me, our listeners, for our last picture of the day? The Kavanaugh. The intentionality we have to build the Kehillah Kedoshah, holy community, really stems from our own hearts and from those Mulenu, those who sit across from us. I can imagine a time when you feel brave enough, courageous enough to approach someone who you really don't know that much and strike up a conversation, ask them, uh, what's beautiful in your day? Ask them, what's the most simcha you've had? What's, what's the most joyous experience? Ask them something that will strike up a conversation on a little bit of a level of what it means to share this divine reality. That's, that's a great challenge for us all, but it's a potential gateway to walk through in order to really extend the Haftalarecha Kamocha the other direction, that is, towards the real Ani Adonai, that's at the end of the verse. I am God. Let's experience the divine together. It was amazing. Amen. And these words, that really each one of them is like a gem that is waiting for us and giving us some guidance that the community that we are building as a Kehillah Kedusha is a community in which the reflection that we are showing to each other is a reflection that enhances the other. Because if we will go back to the idea of the mirror, so there are dark mirrors, there is bright mirrors and the thing that you just said helped us to understand that the connection is a connection that helps the kamocha be better than you just expected so kamocha ani Hashem lo tikom velo titor et ואהבתה לרעך כמוך, אני אדוני. This is a very, very short verse with a very wide levels of meaning. Powerful message for our lives. Yes. And may it be that our קהילה will 
never forget that this pasuk comes together to unite us as individuals and as group. Shabbat Shalom everyone. I was David Goodman and with me here Rabbi Scott Bolton. We are listening to the community Shomim Keila Kol Rama 102.3 Kol Rama.us Have a Shabbat Shalom and enjoy your time.